Welcome, everyone, to the Third and King podcast. My name is Max. As always, I am joined by my very good friend, TJ. Today is Friday, March 31st, which means baseball is back. Happy Friday, Teej. Happy Friday. Happy opening day. Baseball yeah. back. Things are good. Things are good. Things could have been better yesterday. Yeah. We'll talk about that. I don't think it was terrible by any means, but yeah, baseball's back. Today is an off day for the Giants in most of the leagues, so yeah. I thought no better time than to recap what we saw yesterday and maybe what we hope and expect to see as we close out the series this week. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. As you said, it's an off day. A lot of the teams built in a, a weather off day so that it wouldn't impact their opening day, which makes sense logically, and yet I can't stand it. Baseball's back. I want it to be back. Yeah, and you I- give us something and then you take it right back. So then the Giants go to Chicago on Monday and then have another one of these on Tuesday. So <laughs> <laughs> happy baseball's back. Exactly. First, let's run through the news. So Luke Jackson, good news, only on the 15-day IL. We did think 60. Sure, this could change, right? But at least for now, this is good news. Yeah, I think so. When we were doing our roster predictions, one of the 40-man spots that we thought would be freed up was coming from the idea that Luke Jackson would be put on the 60 day injured list. At least for now, he's only on the 15 day IL, just like you said, it could be that they don't need the 40 man spot right now. And why delegate a guy to be out for 60 days if they're not quite sure yet. It could be that he's a little bit ahead of schedule, which would be a very good thing. You know, they still could put him on the 60 day injured list and they still can backdate it to when he was first put on the injured list. So it's not like he would need an additional 60 days. So it's possible that if they need a 40 man spot that they still do that. But yeah, I thought this was worth mentioning. Also Bryce Johnson didn't get the nod for the roster opening day roster. Yeah. This one was a bit of a surprise as we talked about, I think for a couple of our past episodes, he was impressing in spring. He's obviously a very good defensive center fielder. He was wreaking havoc on the base paths. He was hitting pretty well, although it's a very small sample size. So, you know, anybody can hit well in spring training. Well, not anybody, but any (laughs) professional baseball player can get hot for a few days or have hits fall their way. And all of a sudden their stats look a lot better. That being said, it was still a little bit of a surprise when this got announced. Yeah, I got this one wrong. I definitely thought we were going to see him on the roster. But I wasn't necessarily as mad as some fans out there seem to be. Yeah, people were real mad online about Bryce Johnson not making the roster. I think it came from the fact that everyone was just expecting it, and then it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, why did that happen? After it got announced, though, I looked at it. And as we talked about, Bryce Johnson is a little bit of a light hitter. He is an especially light hitter when he's hitting left-handed, so against right-handed pitching at least in the minors, has been a decent hitter from the right side of the plate, so against left-handed pitching. The Giants won't face any right-handed starters in New York. And then even though we don't know the probable pitchers against the White Sox, the White Sox don't have any left-handed starting pitching on their roster at all. So the first time that they could face a left-handed pitcher, at least a starter, is going to be at their home opener. And by that point, maybe Mitch Hanniger's back, maybe Austin Slater's back. So, yeah, I think even though it was a surprise, when you start looking at it a little bit more detailed, it does make a little bit of sense. 
still kind of a bummer because he did show some cool skills. You and I both like stolen bases. He was fantastic at that in spring. So it was a bummer, but I think it did make sense when you're talking about how the roster was constructed. Yeah, I think without really giving it much thought, like you just explained, people are just so fast in the Twitter world to uh, be calling for Farhan's head. Game one, we need to just take a breath. It's a long season. I know we're going to see him out there. Yeah. um, When the time is right. Yeah. And it will be exciting. Yep. Something I was also shocked about was seeing that Bart and VR did not get the start. Uh, specifically Joey Bart. I had mentioned in last week's episode that if I were building a roster, the spots would be given out to the veterans if possible. And sure, Bart's only been here for a handful of years, but I thought it was a no-brainer he would have gotten the start. Kapler had a different opinion. Should we be concerned, Deej? Is this something that we should be looking at? Is What's going on with the catcher position? I think both of these even though they're similar and that the players we expected to start didn't, I think they're very separate situations. So I I think VR didn't get the start in favor of Flores, kind of to what you just said, right? Like veteran, been there, established, opening day in New York, in Yankee Stadium. That's a lot to put on a rookie. And that's probably why they went with Flores over VR. As far as the Bart situation goes, that one I think is a little bit harder to explain. Perez is a more of a veteran than Bart is, but not yeah. on the Giants. So maybe it was just the same thought process behind it. You know, Bart obviously got the start last opening day, but that was his first opening day start. So maybe it was just like, hey, we're giving it to the guy that's been in the league for 10 years. He's not going to have any butterflies. He's not going to be rattled first time in Yankee Stadium type of thing. It's also a little concerning because we thought Bart was going to be the starter. You know, we thought there was going to be a rotation. We didn't really know how that was going to shake out, but it kind of seems like Bart has fallen down the pecking order at least a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think everything you just said is very valid. Yankee Stadium is its own beast, right? Fan base is different than many of the other teams. And so you're right, giving someone like Flores the start over VR makes perfect sense. And let's not forget, Flores played in New York, right? Not a Yankee, yeah, but he yeah. knows he knows what it's like over there. So that that definitely checks out. That's a good the Bart one, like you said, a little tougher to wrap your head around. Sure, maybe they did give it to Perez because he is the veteran, but... Yeah, I I really thought we'd see Bart. I know that they're all big leaguers and these types of things shouldn't affect them, but I do think that there there has to be a psychological aspect to things. And I just hope we're not messing with this head and making things worse. Yeah, you're right. There are so many things that we just don't see that can either positively or negatively affect a player in the short term or the long term. Like Tim Anderson a few years ago went through some real heavy personal stuff and everyone was calling him a bust. And then all of a sudden he got through that and he's a really good and exciting young player in the game. There's just stuff that goes on that people aren't comfortable with that would affect you and I in our regular jobs. And we're not being scrutinized by, you know, thousands (laughs) to millions of people all the time. So, yeah, I I don't know. I hope that it was like a plan that they had from the beginning and they let him know, hey, this is our plan. It's not because we don't believe in you. We just want Perez back there behind the dish day one for whatever reason. 
that would probably go over a little bit better, but I don't know. I'm a little concerned, I guess. Yeah, if I was walking into a meeting and I was preparing for it and I thought I was going to lead a presentation or whatever it is, and at the last minute you're like, actually, we're going to go with TJ. Right. <laughs> Immediately I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, but on the other hand, if they told you ahead of time, hey, you know, TJ is going to run this meeting for whatever, you know, X, Y, Z, yep. then you're like, okay, cool. Sounds good. Go get him, TJ. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm sure we'll see him start any day now. Yeah. But we could pile onto this topic and talk about Gary Sanchez. So maybe an hour before you and I sat down to record this just now, I saw a notification on my phone that Giants made a deal with Gary Sanchez. Yet another catcher in the system. Yeah, so it's a minor league deal. If he's not in the majors by May 1st, he can opt out. I think two things. If this was not Gary freaking Sanchez, (laughs) this wouldn't be news. They sign guys to their minor league roster all the time. We don't know about that. We don't know about exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think the reason why we do know about this is because Gary Sanchez was obviously a very highly thought of prospect several years ago and then came up in 16 and 17 and lit the world on fire and then kind of never was the same since. I think that in conjunction with the part that we're already a little bit skeptical of where Bart stands, I think that's the only reason why it's news at this point. I don't think. Gary Sanchez is really much of a catcher. Maybe they're hoping he's like a DH type and can be that emergency third catcher Mm. that we've talked about that I think that they want to have on a roster where like maybe he has to catch a couple innings a week just after they've pinch hit for a catcher before that or something like that. If we can get him back to where he was when he first entered the league. Yeah, I support this completely. 2016 and only 53 games. He hit 20 dingers. That's a lot. Yeah. If you multiply that by three, because that's about a a full season, obviously a catcher won't play 162, but that's 60 home runs over a 162-game stretch. So that's a lot. Yeah, so yeah, to follow that up in 2017, 122 games, 33 dingers. Still pretty good. Yeah, batted 278. Unfortunately, like you said, it's significantly dropped off. I think there were some injuries Yeah. Along the way. Most recently, though, in Minnesota last season, only batted 205. Yeah. The weird thing about this one, too, if there's anything more than it being just a minor league deal for minor league depth, is that he's almost a bit redundant of Joey Bart in the fact that tons of power, just tons of absolute raw power, tons of swing and miss. So it's going to be a low average, low OBP, high power offensive profile. But I think Joey Bart at this stage in his career is a better defensive catcher. So they seem a bit redundant in that sense, at least offensively. So again, I'm not really sure what to make of this other than I would imagine that it's really just depth at this point. And it's only making news because it's Gary Sanchez. Yeah, I, I don't know what we got him for. I'll assume it wasn't a lot. I'm so. sure it was on the cheap. Yeah, could be another Barhan special we're looking at. Who knows? Yesterday wasn't necessarily the best game, but we did see Tyro Estrada had a heck of a game. Yeah, he got two hits, both of them singles, but both hard hits, both over 105 miles an hour exit velocity. And I think this is just building off of a really good season he had last year. And then he's coming back and obviously it's only one game. But these are the things that you like to see after a guy just had a good season, right? Like he had a good season, he comes back and has a good game. 
hopefully that is just telling of what's to come for the rest of the season. And because he hit the ball so hard yesterday and because he's building off that season, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect another good season out of him. Yeah, I, I know you and I both have high hopes for Tyro. Um, yeah. We're big fans of him of his since we brought him over here. Oh, and he stole a base. He did steal a base, yeah. I hope that we see more stolen bases and more yeah. I love it. I think it's great. You know what's funny is I watched the game yesterday with my friend Zach, who's a Yankees fan, and he was just... <laughs> Right, yeah. He was mad that the Yankees let Tyro Estrada go. And when we looked at it, they DFA'd Tyro Estrada for Roughnit Odor. Yep. And that's just that's just <laughs> a big feels bad. Like even at that point in their career, Tyro was already a better player. And then he was younger, so he's just gotten better while Odor has gotten worse. So Yeah. So Good segue, talking about Tyro right into opening day. Yes, the Giants lost, but Webb looked good. He did give up two home runs, but he did look good. He fanned 12, right? We got 12 Ks. Overall, I would say a good outing for him. It's not going to – it probably doesn't feel great, but I think it was a good showing. I think he looked really good. Obviously, the strikeouts tell us that he looked good. He got tagged by Aaron Judge for a solo home run. That's going to happen. You know, Aaron Judge is probably the best, maybe overall hitter in the league right now. Definitely the best power hitter, obviously. You get tagged by Aaron Judge for a solo homer. Oh, well, you know, go get him the next time. And then the the one to Torres kind of seemed like a Yankee Stadium special. It's like that right center field power alley that that's not out at Oracle Park, for instance. No, that's definitely staying in the park. Yeah. So it might have been an extra base hit, but... It also might have fallen into Michael Conforto's glove. And then the next run he gave up, he came out in the seventh inning, walked Torres, they pulled him, and then Brebbia couldn't keep Torres from scoring. So that run got charged to Webb. I think overall he looked really good. I don't think it matters if he gave up one run or ten runs because the Giants couldn't score. So Yeah, we just didn't get enough hits. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny, right, that judges first at bat against us. He hits one out after... Just that dramatic offseason we had. Yeah. It was almost yeah. going to be. Yeah. But like you said, those are going to happen. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. So it didn't feel good, but yeah. With that being said, Garrett Cole also looked great. He looked great. And yeah. obviously he's been an ace now for several years. And I think yesterday he showed us why. Yeah. Why? When he's great, he's great. Yeah. When he's on, he's on. And good luck is kind of the way i'd see it he has had a tendency to be a little homer prone like he led the league in home runs allowed last year which i think inflated his era a little bit now that's kind of a confusing stat leading the league in home runs allowed because you have to be good enough to pitch enough innings to give up enough home runs to lead the league so honestly it's it's usually decent pitchers at least that end up leading the league in that stat But he did have a streak last year where he was giving up a lot of home runs. He can be a little bit inconsistent. But yeah, when he's right, he's extremely hard to hit. And that's what we got yesterday. So it's just one of those where tip your cap and you go get him tomorrow. Yeah, he was dealing, I think, 11 Ks. I think overall our lineup's going to be fine. Are you worried? I'm not worried about the lineup. It was against Garrett Cole at his peak. So I, I don't think we should be worried after that performance. The jury's still out because it's only one game. 
but no, I'm not worried yet. The one thing that I think is at least worth thinking about, but this is more like a long-term thought exercise that no one that will make any decisions will ever hear, but I've always thought that if you have like the same type of hitter up and down the lineup, that that can get you in trouble. And I think the Giants have that a little bit right now. They have a lot of the work the zone, work the count, patient hitters, almost like three true outcome hitters, you know, home run, strikeout, or walk. And when you go up against a guy like Cole, or maybe even not Cole, but somebody that's just on, and you have all the same hitter, then that pitcher can just get in a really nice rhythm and attack Mm -hmm. all the hitters the exact same way. Like I think about the 2014 lineup when they had Pablo, Posey, and Pence, three, four, five, and talk about like, I mean, they were all very productive hitters, but in completely different ways. Very different. Yeah. And I think that just having those guys in the middle and then you can't attack them the same way three in a row can be a little bit more valuable than maybe we give it credit for that's quantifiable. Like, I don't even know how you would quantify that. But I remember thinking, like, even if a guy's on and you throw a bad ball to Pablo Sandoval, he could hit it out, you know, kind of the same with Pence. But then you have Posey in the middle, who's that very disciplined I'm only swinging at the pitches I want to swing at, you know, similar to the type of hitters that they have in the lineup now, but they don't have any, any variety in those types of hitters right now. But I mean, nothing we can do about it. Hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully they hit. It's a long season, right? We've got 161 more games to play more. Yep. Hopefully more. You're right. At least 161 games left. Yeah. It's super easy to overanalyze game number one. Totally. Thinking about this team all offseason, all spring training, and then we get one game. And yeah, of course we want to overanalyze it because it's the only thing we have to look at. So we want to look into it, especially with a day off the next day. We want to consume everything we can about that first game. But yeah, it's it's one game. The best teams win 60% of their games. So I'm not worried about the team just yet. We're not up against Rodone this this series. Do you know who else we're facing in New York? Yes, it's... Clark Schmidt Saturday, and then it is another right-handed pitcher, Brito. I'm very sorry. I don't know his last name. We're fine. We're going to be fine. Yeah. (laughs) I think of the baseball season as more of like series, and so obviously it's an uphill battle to win the series now, but it's on the road, and it's against a good Yankees team. If they can win one, I'd be okay. If they win two, that's great. You're not expecting a sweep against the Yankees in New York. So getting out of there with one win is great. Then they go to Chicago, who I don't think are as good as the Yankees. So, I mean, it's possible that they can either split the road trip or maybe even go four and two on the road trip. And I mean, I'll take 500 road trips all the time and then just go a little bit above that at home and you're a playoff team. Yeah, absolutely. So we saw it throughout spring training, right? The new rules. Yesterday was the first time we got to see it in an actual game right? yep a game that counts yep what do you think what do we got the shift ban pitch clock uh bigger bases so i don't think we can say anything about the shift ban yet because there were 32 strikeouts Not in that picks. game out of 51 yeah. <laughs> you know outs 32 of them were strikeouts so yeah I, I don't think we can say anything about the shift ban there was one game the rays were playing in their second baseman was basically in a shift against a right-handed pull hitter. 
and a guy hits the ball up the middle and it goes right to him and it's like oh yeah right they didn't ban the shift they just put a few regulations around it so i don't think that's going to be that big of a deal the game was going quick at it least was in quick those... it, yeah it ended quickly and especially in those first six innings when webb and cole were just carving up the other team's lineup that was fast so i do think that that did have an impact and it felt mm-hmm. brisk it felt Chris, there wasn't a whole lot of downtime. Then when it got later in the game, when there were like pinch hitters and pitching changes, it did slow down a little bit, but I think that's to be expected. For me, the pitch clock is the hardest to get used to. Yeah. Uh, we did see a violation on J.D. Davis. There were other yeah. other violations around the league. Yeah. I think that one's the toughest for everybody. Even for a fan, like I'm used to a certain pace where, yeah, you know, if I'm at home, I can, I know when I can like get up and grab a drink or <laughs> check my phone for news or something like that. Exactly. Or if I'm at a game, I'm like, all right, there's two outs. I'm going to run up and grab a beer from the concession stand or whatever. But it's changed now. And I think even as fans, we have to get used to it. Obviously, there's more to get used to from the player's side. In a week, I think we'll forget about the pitch clock pretty much. Yeah, so this one, it makes the most noise, it feels like, around the internet and social media. But it's really only, it's when there's a violation that people start talking about it. No yeah. one seems to mind. I enjoy the pitch clock. I think it's a good thing to have. I agree. Um, but yeah, it's the violations seem to really upset a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, this is killing baseball. It makes a lot of noise. And I think as the season goes on, we're going to get used to it. Yeah. I think umpires have to get used to it, too. Yeah. And then they they came out and said that there is going to be some feel around it. Like, it's not going to be super, like, set in stone type of thing. Like, I think they are going to allow some breathing room, especially in, like, later innings. You can't can't lose a game on it. So you're telling me that if Sergio Romo is getting a standing ovation (laughs) or his very last game ever, he shouldn't be given a violation. Yeah, maybe maybe don't call two pitch clock violations on a guy that's soaking it all in before he retires. But in a game that doesn't matter, in a game that doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. I do think they're going to be pretty strict on the rules like earlier, which then will get people in a rhythm and in a pattern, which will then allow them to kind of back off a little bit. But people will be in the rhythm of the fast pace. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like if they're strict on it early, people get used to that and then they can allow them to breathe. If they try to do that the opposite way, then you get yourself into trouble. A good example of that is you might have seen it was the Mets game. Pete Alonso wasn't ready quick enough at first base. In this case, Pete Alonso was on first. I think Brandon Nimmo, maybe whoever it was hitting, hit a foul ball. And Pete Alonso had like gone to second thinking it might be fair. Right. And then he took his time getting back to first a little bit. The batter was waiting for him to get back to first. And basically, as soon as he got back to first, the umpire called him for a violation. Yeah, a lot of nuances that are going to have to get figured out. Yeah. Uh, and I think it will. I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think this is a good pitch clock is, I think, necessary. Yeah. Necessary. And then I do think Tyro Estrada probably benefited from the bigger base yesterday on his steal. I mean, he just sure. he just got in. Just made it. It was close enough where, like, on first glance, I was like, oh, I don't know if he's safe or not. And then I saw a replay, and I'm like, I still don't know if he's safe or not. So it was close enough where if he doesn't have a few shorter inches between the bases, he's probably out. And 
I'm all he for it. Could have just been three inches, right? It's yeah. that's all it gives him. So yeah. Look, you know, I, I've talked about it on this podcast before. I love stolen bases. Yeah. I also love throwing people out trying to steal. So I really enjoy this new rule. I hope it leads to aggressive base running. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a stat and it was just in spring training, but the uh, attempts had like doubled or something. Yeah. That's great. Love it. Love it. Overall, it's fun. I love that baseball's back. You and I both love morning baseball. Yeah, I love morning baseball. It's honestly yeah. one of my favorite things. So we don't get it very often as Giants fans on the West Coast. But right. yeah, when they when they play on the East Coast, it's great. I love a beer with my baseball, but I also love a coffee. Yeah, dude, coffee, <laughs> breakfast burrito, and baseball, sign me up. I was but, a little thrown off yesterday because I didn't know what to do with the rest of my day after the game was over. And I think <laughs> that just goes back to what we were saying. It's all this anticipation. It's all this lead up to the game, and then it happened, and you're like, well, what now? It was a little weird yesterday, but yeah, normally I, I love me some morning baseball. So the answer to what to do with your day after is just to watch another game. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that pretty much closes out opening day. There's some other news. Casey Schmidt did get the Barney Nugent Award. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So that goes to the player that was most impressive in their first big league camp. Here at Third and King, we are big Casey Schmidt fans. So anytime (laughs) there's Casey Schmidt news, we have to talk talk about it. it. We're contractually obligated to talk about it. Any reason to talk about him is, is worth bringing up. So who all, can you recall other players that have won this award in the past? I know Auerbach. Yeah. Joey Bart, I think, got yep. one. Auerbach won last year. Joey Bart won in, uh, had to have been the year before. Right. Or maybe it was 19. Uh, Elliot Ramos won. I mean, Russ Ortiz won it way back when. Ortiz, uh, okay. Throw, throw back to Russ Ortiz. <laughs> you know, it's a spring training award, so it's, kind of meaningless but it does seem to have some track record of saying okay this is this guy's first big league camp and he's impressive and it's not just and it's not just their play that's impressive it's like their demeanor and clubhouse clubhouse yeah exactly it's definitely something right hopefully it does lead to i think it will lead to him being a big leaguer i think he'll be a big leaguer before brett auerbach is but i do think he'll make it as well yeah i will also admit that all this time, I really never thought, who is Barney Nugent? Do you know? Do you happen to know? Because I looked it up. I don't. All I know is that he worked for the Giants. That's all I know. Yeah. I mean, all I really know is he's a former trainer of the Giants. He spent most of his time in San Francisco working with Barry Bonds during the home run chase. So he does go way back. He eventually retired to Arizona, and the Giants have always considered him a forever Giant. He, he passed away in 2014 after a battle of, with cancer, mm. and this is a way for the Giants to memorialize him and yeah, keep him around. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really cool way to do that. Yeah. So what else you got for me, TJ? Yeah, I've got a couple quick hitters. The Giants made a trade on opening day for Matt Yes. Lee. How did this not come up in the news? Literally right before the game, it felt. Yeah, they probably worked it out like the night before because Beatty was in New York 
and in uniform and ready to go, <laughs> which leads me to believe that he had some advance notice, but we didn't hear about it until nine o'clock or something on Thursday morning. This one is a Farhan special. It's a Farhan special. Beatty was with the Dodgers when Farhan was there. He's a left-handed hitting outfielder, which reinforces the fact that they really wanted to go left-handed early this season because they didn't think they were going to face that many left-handed starting pitchers. I don't know. This one's a little weird, though, because he feels like the odd man out when Hanniger and or Slater are back. I don't think there's room for Beatty and Hanniger and Slater unless somebody else is on the outs that we're not aware of. You know, they didn't give up anything for him. It was for cash considerations to the Royals, but... I don't know. I, I don't really get it if that's the case, but maybe there's something else there that I'm not aware of. I do feel like we're collecting left-handed outfielders, though. We have a lot. Yeah, like their whole outfield is left-handed, except for Slater, Slater. and Hanniger, who are both yeah. on the injured list right now. So a little interesting. Brett Wisely ended up making the opening day roster, which was news to us, obviously, and news to him. So he traveled with the team to New York, but then thought he was getting optioned as of Wednesday, so basically told his family not to come. And then they told him after he told his family that he's making the roster. And that was part of the reason why they were comfortable not having Bryce Johnson on the roster, is because even though it's new to him, they're already comfortable having Wisely as like the backup center fielder. So they pinch it for Yastrzemski yesterday when... The Yankees brought in, I think it was Wandy Peralta, a left-handed reliever. And I was like, who's going to play center field? Because I forgot that Brett Wisely is a center fielder now. So that was a bit of a surprise because, again, he also hits left-handed. So it's just they're going super left-handed heavy. Yeah, seems like it. Yep. Is that it, that all? That's all I've got. Anything else you All right. No, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Do us a favor. If you like anything you heard today, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us a listen on, I think, every streaming platform now. Wherever you listen to podcasts, go ahead, look for us, find us. Visit us at thirdandking.shop. We have some some merch, some shirts. You can get that hat TJ's wearing. Thanks for having us. Visit us on Instagram at thirdandkingshop. Email us at thirdandkingshop at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube. Say hello. We'll catch you next time. Yeah. Cheers. Adios.